Welcome to the Strength Rehab Podcast. Join your hosts, Raul Axmayer and Brandon Parker, as they discuss the latest information regarding the health and fitness industries. Topics include sports performance, physical rehab, and of course, general health. Remember, this is the podcast where science meets practice. What's up, everybody? This week on the podcast, we had Dr. Patrick Klaus on, or better known as Cairo Bro on Instagram. We just talked about how he went through starting up his own business and how he treats certain case studies. If you haven't already, please give us a review or a rate or subscribe because it helps us out tremendously. And finally, remember that we are sponsored by Built by Strength Products and Supplements. They put out nothing but the best and they're third-party tested. So what's your story, man? Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. I'm Dr. Patrick Klaus. Um, I've been out of school for about two years. I went off on my own. So we were just talking about this. Um, Left the practice uh, as a preceptor, basically a chiropractic assistant, and just went ahead and took off as an independent contractor. Um, Found a facility for, I started out mobile. So I'd travel to people's houses, just doing what I could, trying to get my North Carolina license. At that time, I only had South Carolina. North Carolina was a little bit different. Um, just it, it just took longer for me to get the stuff back. And then I had to take the jurisprudence and some of those other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I found myself into a facility uh, as an independent contractor, basically my primary office location here in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, and then a few other things that I do, we can talk about that more, but yeah, I'm a chiropractor. I like to label myself as a sports chiro just to kind of set myself apart. Um, cause I'm not really straight. I don't like to just adjust and there's a ton of other things I love to do and, um, just loving what I'm doing here. Having so much fun. Is your practice like near the border of South and North Carolina? Yeah, I actually live in Fort Mill mm, and okay. As soon as I cross over, it's Charlotte. So it's kind of weird. I, I got my South Carolina license. I still hold on to it. Mm-hmm. But I mainly practice in Charlotte. Yeah. So, I mean, that's uh, that's one of the things that I've been kind of dabbling in with the, the idea of doing a mobile business, uh, mobile business up front because you don't need overhead. You just have your table and you have your hands and your knowledge, right? Yeah. Did, what were some benefits and detriments that you experienced when doing that? Can talk to you. So you really just have to get yourself set with, I mean, you guys are probably already really good at, you know, having your table with you, taking it to your friend's house, bringing your supplies and your tools. Um, it really, the hassle is carrying a bag everywhere that I go and my, in my table, I still have that like uh, portable Amazon table. It's like really heavy. <laughs> so I have to carry that sucker around. Um, but I got this huge duffel bag, stack everything in. I got, Bands, all the kind of rehab tools that you could think of. My needles, instrument-assisted tools, cupping, taping. I keep all that stuff with me. Mm-hmm. And I got to repack it back up after I leave this office just so I have it with me in case anybody ever calls me up so that I can go take it there. Um, but it's really cool because I get to meet a lot of different different kinds of people, not just athletes, not just CrossFitters. If I'm here, it's mostly CrossFitters. Um, I get to go to a lot of cool houses and really rich people. Like you're like, Holy cow, look at this the crazy, crazy red residences that you get to go to. Um, 
and luxury apartment buildings is it's it's cool because we can really stack those up back to back uh more you know it's more uh you can keep your time management a little bit better if you have a set time of day going to those places mm-hmm. and then also having this office as like my main like i'm here mostly monday wednesday fridays right right how did you market yourself when you started um I did a lot. I went to a lot of race, racing events, not racing events, but like races, um, like triath, not triathlons, but just 5Ks and things like that. Just did a lot of stretching. Um, people love when you, you get their, your hands on them and stretch them, do some light soft tissue work, teach them about their injuries, different inquiries. Um, I would go and do a lot of mobility courses, classes, just teaching and laying down the fundamentals, uh, letting people really understand their bodies a little bit more and experience what it feels like to truly do mobility work. Um, and that, I mean, as soon as that took off, then it was just really word of mouth in this mm-hmm. primary office that I'm at, uh, at the CrossFit gym has, has exploded. Um, but when, when you're, expanding to residences and stuff there's not there's not really any word of mouth um so that that's one where like sometimes we'll go to those apartment buildings and do different events and set up and do the same thing soft tissue stretching or maybe we'll do some mobility classes um just try and expand and get your name out there as much as you possibly can um but then of course a lot of people will reach out to me through instagram social media Within this CrossFit gym, we have a Facebook platform. We will, mm-hmm. we will um, just chat to each other about workouts, things in our lives. We'll have uh, every on Friday, everyone puts their bright spot Friday and talks about how amazing whatever their week was or something. And, and I put up those mobility videos there and I blast all that onto the page. So just being in that close knit community helped a ton. Mm-hmm. I mean, when it comes down to making that decision of being either an associate or going out on your own, that's a pretty ballsy move, man. So what was, what was that line in the sand where you're like, all right, here I go. I'm going to be my own boss. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, let, me, let me go back to where it all started. Uh, so I originally had someone mentor me who was – he was amazing. Like, honestly, loved him. He, he's a chiropractor for the Carolina Panthers – he owns all the Carolina sports clinics. Um, he really taught me a ton and I felt like he was also getting other young docs and kind of bringing them in as, as associates and really wanted to just, you know, get me to do a ton of work for him a little bit. Um, and then at that time when I was making the decision, when I got my license to stick with that practice or just try to find somewhere else to go. I was looking at other associate positions mm-hmm. and nothing really fit the mold for me. I couldn't find a practice around where, where I wanted to be. That was super awesome. You know, you want a place where you can spend time with people. You use the, the modalities and tools that, that you want, not just ultrasounding and stimming people up. Right. Um, that, that really annoyed me uh, having to do that kind of stuff. I'm like, nothing really just fit my mold. Um, so at that time I was just like, you know, Canva, the app, Mm -hmm. 
I was, um, well, I was reading the book, fuck insurance. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of fueling the fire already. (laughs) And I just had some ideas in my head and I started, uh, making my logo off of that Canva app. And that's where, that's where I made my logo. And I was like, dude, I'm just going to, I'm just going to throw, go all in. And that's what you got to do. I mean, um, you could, you could always stick with the, with the practice that you kind of preceptorship for assistant for, or it's tough when you get locked into associate position and you start going through insurance and all that, it's tough to get out of. So, so a lot of Kairos have, have asked me and commended me for, for going off my own, especially the ones that I worked with Mm -hmm. saying that they wish that it would have done that first because at least you tried in the beginning. And if Mm -hmm. you fail, then you always have that step where you can go in that direction of the associate position. And even, I mean, you don't want to get locked into a place where you don't enjoy because that, that also kind of fueled my fire because I, I literally disliked going into work every day. Mm-hmm. And now I freaking love it. So it's just, uh, it's just following your passion, man. Yeah. So I always say, during my passion, just, uh, you got to take that leap. You know, it's interesting how you see this like paradoxical thing where it's, uh, people hate what they're doing, but they love the security of the every week paycheck more. And yeah. like, and it just keeps them going from year to year and they're miserable. And then you see this chiropractic burnout where they're just going to become a puppy mill and they're like, I'm going to throw this stuff on you, step out and then come back and move you on your way. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That would, I, I don't think I would be happy in a place like that. Just even if, even if you're not making a ton of money, I mean, it's tough paying off student loans. It's, it's not easy. It's just, uh, you got to grind. You got to get your name out there as much as you can. And, and it's tough in the beginning, but I'd say close to two years in, I've really made a name for myself around here. And, and it, I mean, it's some people will blast off right from the start in the mm-hmm. get go, but um, it, it, unless you know people around your area and your town, otherwise you got to get yourself out there. And it's, sure. it may be a little tough now, because of the whole COVID situation. I haven't done as much of that. I'm doing just fine on word of mouth. Um, and people are more sedentary. They're, they're, you know, just static at home and they want to go work out. It's not going to work out for them because they've really limited themselves and their capacities to, to work out. And it's going to hinder the workouts and they're going to get injured. Um, and that's, that's what I'm seeing. So mm-hmm. Now go ahead and paint the picture for us because you talked about you made this leap after making the Canva logo and you also alluded to how you were doing these track events and the soft stretching and whatnot. Uh, is that what you're doing right out the gate? Was that your number one game plan was I'm going to get my name out there or what were you thinking? Cause a lot of people, when they don't have a set game plan or a set income, they kind of go into this uh, panic mode. So I was just curious yeah. what you were thinking. Yeah. I mean, there's really not a whole lot of, expenses up front i'd say close to two to three grand that you have to get your licenses your malpractice all that kind of stuff after that you don't necessarily have to worry so much about money like there's a lot of free things that you can do like the canva app um marketing through through that Mm -hmm. um post it on your social media uh but there i mean there's more depth to that um but just getting, I mean, it's from, from the get go, you really gotta, you really gotta step, I mean, step out there um, and do this kind of 
of events or courses like Kelly Surrett would do. Mm-hmm. You know, he really just laid it all out on the table and showed people how much this could impact their health, longevity, performance, decreased risk for injury potential. Uh, if you're if you're going to like the performance realm, that's a great way to get your name out there. Um, I mean, social media. I I, t- I see so many young people and young grads like taking off on social media. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a great way to do it, but it's tough if you're only like a couple hundred followers. You know what I mean? Um, but also expanding that to your local communities, like mm-hmm. I like I do with the CrossFit one. That that one's pretty pretty simple for me to do. Um, yeah. I remember you were the you were gonna ask something. You were the first guy that introduced me to the fog insurance book. Um, yeah, so and I can see that you applied some of the concepts I have about like giving the mobility, soft tissue classes, and stuff like that. Oh yeah, he was, definitely he definitely talks a lot about that. That's a great step and direction to go. I mean, I, I don't know um, other than getting your your face out there how you would go about it. Other than I mean, people pay money to to do a lot of things but i mean i i paid a little bit of money and made my own website and Mm -hmm. i I mean i literally do everything on my own i haven't paid anyone to make my website anyone to make my logos for anyone to to do my videos or i mean one of my buddies did one of my videos one time but um like i said you can do it all for free you just got to learn how to go do it just get out there on youtube or type something up on the on the website you're trying to learn about go figure out how to do it and then it's all laid out on the table for you yep you got to do what you got to do right yeah yeah i think there's a big thing that most people can't get over it's like a huge obstacle of they just want to be good at something right now whether Mm -hmm. it be like posting online or you know making instructional videos like for example we always talk about it our first post or we're dumpster fires. And they, I'm not going to say our posts now are that great, but <laughs> we're seeing a steady progression in everything we're doing. Like, for example, our first podcast, oh, God, was an awkward. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it was horrible. Exactly. So it's just like people need to understand that you have all these free methods that might not be perfect off the, off the jump. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it, yeah, it will progress, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'd, if you go look at all the way – back to my oldest videos they look nothing like what they do now and you got to continually progress just like you do when you work out you got to keep pushing those boundaries and get better and better now now that we made the perfect segue man (laughs) i'm going to talk about your powerlifting that i've noticed you've been doing all right so um let's see so i i have been lifting for at least 10 years uh out of high school more bro like bodybuilding uh body part lift you know what i mean yeah um and then i I started following if you know legend well i used to follow like ifbb pro bodybuilders back in the day right and then i transitioned over to um legends of aesthetics matt ogus jucky lovato if you know those guys um 3dmj alberto nunez uh who's the head guy of that um, well, well, they, they were like the natural scene um, and they were putting out really good information and I was actually learning so much. And whenever I got into my exercise science uh, in undergrad, mm-hmm. it, 
like you don't learn it you learn the fundamental basics through that like you honestly like college there's so much more you can learn through reading and, and watching other people exactly. um and that's what i was doing so i started started uh more into like the power building starting started to dabble into powerlifting strength hypertrophy uh, but I also did you know rehab and and a lot of things that would help facilitate those and um, I never really went all in with them. I was more fit, focused on school. Um, and then when I got, got into graduate school, I was still heavy lifting, but um, still, still really heavily focused on school. And then I had my little girl. And uh, after that, I, I stopped, started playing soccer. And like a lot, I was playing tournaments and during the week. And I actually injured my quad tendon. Like I strained it where I couldn't yeah. even – flex my knee past 90 degrees like it wow. it was really bad and um it was too much overload I wasn't training for playing soccer when I got out of that I was just starting to just get back into it just get back into the flow of things and and one of my friends is is a power lifter and he just I was just working out with him and just started to to really get dive down deeper into that rabbit hole go full powerlifting um I, I mean of course i still do some bodybuilding stuff accessory movements um but i just started programming harder focusing on those lifts like i'm not just my, my deadlift exploded because i'm deadlifting three or four times a week i know it's not just and getting through that injury was was a tough a tough one because i still deal with that with like my leg training and doing squats. And I finally back to, at least with my squat, to where I was back in, in graduate school. And, mm -hmm. uh, and it's feeling, finally feeling really good. So that, that was the biggest hump for me is getting through that injury. But once I got through that and everything was feeling really good, I'm at the best I've ever felt right. because I stick so hard and consistent with the mobility and the rehab that I do that – things exploded like it, it makes things so much easier you have a lot less risk for potential or injury risk right. or mitigate injury mitigation um i just feel better overall and i feel like i can lift heavier and i'm programming properly and I'm eating and sleeping right and all right. those things come into play and my lifts have have taken off uh at least a lot more than when they, what they used to be i mean if you look at other lifters of course it's nothing compared to like your IG lifters, but like Larry Wheels or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, like but, Russ Wall and all that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just having fun doing it. Like I just really enjoy – it's kind of funny because, you know, you've got CrossFitters and I go back in this little section and I'm just back there powerlifting. I'm the only guy powerlifting over here. So I'm just uh, setting the standard over the gym. <laughs> <laughs> now, you, you talked about how you are now uh, upping the frequency of deadlifting. And we know how deadlifting is so uh, – taxing on the central nervous system obviously yeah. you're not going balls to the wall every time you're deadlifting yeah so 100%. I'm, just, I'm just curious how you are implementing your deadlifts um are you doing it to improve the skill of the pole or what's your your philosophy on this yeah and, and that's the thing if i'm if i'm so sometimes my blocks will be set more towards deadlifting and then other times it'll be set towards my my press and my squat because if i'm doing all three and i'm going balls to the wall there and I'm trying to train harder than I was last time. Like mm -hmm. it's I'm taxed. And, and the, like the, the one thing that does save me is, is sleep and 
if I can take it at power nap like that, if I can, and if I'm not treating all day, I'm getting exhausted from treating because I'm moving all the time. Yeah. Uh, that's a, that's a key factor too. I'm moving all the time. So I always feel really good when I was sitting in school, dude, no way. I didn't feel good because <laughs> it's 10 hours a day of sitting. Just, you're not ready to go deadlift like crazy. Um, but yeah, I'm, I will, I don't have a ton to work from here mm-hmm. besides just the bar and dumbbells. And I will, I will add in, you know, pause, deadlifts, sumo to conventional. Mm-hmm. I'll do a lot of other accessories, pin lay rows, row, a bunch of rowing, um, everything that I can to, to, to fine tune things, but not overload my system. Right. Um, there's a fine, there's always a fine balance. Yeah. It's a, if you, you know, you take a page out of the conjugate method is, you know, you find these variations that are going to train the main movement where you can maybe go maximal effort in that variation. But when you look at the grand scheme of things, it's nowhere near your peak capacity. Yeah. So you're, so you're not really taxing the system at all, you know? I know. Yeah. You would th- like back in the day, I wasn't training as hard as I could. I wasn't pushing those boundaries. And now I understand that, that I can push it harder. Like, even if I'm not getting that weight up off the ground, I'm hitting a heavy ISO. <laughs> <laughs> now you mentioned how you uh, you're staying on top of your rehab and your mobility. And we were talking about how we both like the uh, principles of FRC. So I'm just curious, what exactly do you do uh, when it comes to your powerlifting and FRC principles? Are we doing something pre? Are we doing something post? How do you implement it? It's, um, it's whatever you want to, to bl- however you want to blend that in. Mm-hmm. I am spending a lot of time at night to do my mobility. Um, I keep it fairly low level. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I wouldn't like, I, it's kind of funny. I don't even really warm up that much. Mm-hmm. I'm hitting spine segmentation every time, some hip cars and, something like scat like i'm hitting something simple just to get things moving Mm -hmm. and then i go i just start working working up to my working set my working weight um because i do like i feel so good and i'm constantly moving but if i wasn't i'd have to do a lot longer of a warm-up of course um in the morning i'm hitting at least 10 to 15 minutes and then at night i'm doing close to 45 minutes to an hour even if like even if that puts off sleep a little bit Mm -hmm. I'm going to do it because if I feel that my body needs it, I kind of know at this point what my body needs Mm -hmm. and I need to keep those, those ranges alive and keep the exploration going. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you could always bring that in to either like after your workout, I wouldn't say to do a lot of that stuff during which you totally can like Mm -hmm. in between your sets or superset, however you want to, to do that. Um, as you know, like if you're doing like a bodybuilding kind of split, your ranges get so shortened and they get so restricted. It's mm-hmm. definitely something that you could add in. that's not going to be very taxing. Um, but I'm trying to hit at least every night. Like I was saying, I'm hitting all of my ranges, just simply low level. Um, and then I'm focusing on my limitations. I, I go to my hips a lot and you probably noticed that like in my videos and stuff, like my hips are our buttery man. I, I just keep them loose. <laughs> I, that's yeah, one sumo of my deadlifts, man. That, like <laughs> whenever I get into that sumo stance, I just feel powerful. That's out of those the, hips. And yeah, if yeah, I, that's, like, it's important. It, yeah. And if I didn't, 
it would be shit because it, it just wouldn't feel good. And then it go to my back. I used to have really bad back pain to pill it. Like I would get injured from doing sumo deadlifts and I would hate doing them because I would get injured. But like, it's the best my back has ever felt keeping both things going. And li- and it's funny, like lifting heavy, like my back feels so, so amazing. So mm-hmm. it's been, it's been interesting for sure. Are you contributing the, uh, the increased resilience to your lower back due to you being able to get into a better position because you have better hip mobility? Yeah. Yeah. That, and I feel like the load and the weight and I can support that, mm-hmm. put it all together and it's just resilience as hell. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting how like, you know, it's, it, people need to start looking at powerlifting more than just like three exercises and actually look at it at the, it's a sport, right? Like, like at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how strong you are. I mean, obviously it's going to play a a key role here, but it's the, the guy in the better position has a larger potential to win the sport, you know, like that's why you see the, Mm -hmm. these girls that have the massive arcs and they can pull it off because it's technically legal, you know? I know. Yeah. So it's uh, the same thing with sumo. Like you are cutting down the range of motion. If you have buttery hips, you're you're, you're pulling half the, the the way, but it's, yeah. it's legal. You know? <laughs> and, I mean, when you go to FRC, essentially all you're doing is you're applying the same principles that you are to lifting. It's it's progressive overload, time under tension, volume, specific adaptation of pose demands. Mm-hmm. You're applying all of that to create adaptable hips, more mobile joints. And that in turn is going to lead to increased performance. And I mean, you're going to have everything on better longevity, decreased injury, mm-hmm. all of it. Do you know who Gigi Mufu is? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Said no. Yeah. Well, I, you know, sometimes I say, and people are like, are you speaking gibberish to me? I don't understand what you're saying. Um, but we had him on, we had the pleasure of having him on like a couple months now back. And nice. he has, he has a, a similar view to what like stretching. I mean, he doesn't call it mobility. He just calls yeah. it stretching, right? It's loaded yeah. stretching. Um, but he, he says it the same way. It's just like, People like flexibility gets this large uh, bad rap because everybody does this laundry list of like, you know, flexibility exercises. It's like, why don't you pick three, four key things and progressively overload it? Yeah. He obviously, he's basically saying the same thing as FRC, just Mm -hmm. in Juju Mufu terms, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It is funny when, when when I get somebody, you know, on my table and, and they want to improve in something, I'm like, dude, you have to do way more than you think to to progress this. If you're switching, if you're switching random extra, and that's the thing with CrossFit, like you're kind of bouncing back and forth. I'm like, you mm-hmm. you want to progress your deadlift, dude? You're not you're only hitting your deadlift once a month, not even. Um, same thing goes with your mobility. Like you have to stick to that and overload it and gain those newly acquired ranges, and then gain control over them. So you mm-hmm. have it; it's mm-hmm. there. If, and, and these people that come in that their hips don't rotate, I'm like, you don't have a hip. You, you don't have the prerequisites to, to necessarily squat or get in these deep positions. Therefore, you have impingement and you're causing yourself a lot of, a lot of issues. Now they get through it, um, but if they really want to get through it, time under tension, build that up, overload it. You know, I, don't, I think most people don't – maybe they don't uh visualize or just notice that 
you know, when they, they might see as that squat, they might see the knees just abducting, but realistically they're externally rotating, you know? Yeah. So, so yeah. they don't understand that this external rotation is, is the lifeblood of the squat, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know? And, and, get- and also if their knee doesn't rotate with that hip, exactly. They're, they're turning themselves into a meniscus shredder rather than <laughs> progressing out of lift and getting, getting strong. It's, yeah. it's tough, but I mean, you gotta you gotta re- relay that information to these people in a way that that they understand it mm-hmm. that makes sense and and where they can run with it because because you don't want to throw too much at them if you give someone hip cars they're like what the hell am I doing yeah. um, it's a lot tougher and a lot more complex than it looks and I see a lot of people just teach it as like you're doing some hip circles no like you gotta carve out those ranges and you can do it do it at different intensities mm-hmm. and and build a more adaptable hip but if you're just kind of going through the ranges of motion like you're not really getting much out of the hip you're not applying irradiation um and more tension to that like you're not getting to the deepest mechanoreceptors of that joint mm-hmm. to make it to make that change now i don't explain it that way but um you got to show them how that change and a lot of times that's why those mobility classes are key now if, and if you're frc guy you can definitely go into like Ken stretch and teach those classes right. and just do that. And you'll see like hundreds of thousands of people out there that are making those, those changes. You know, it's, it's pretty funny. I remember my first encounter with FRC was, uh, you know, I was scrolling through Instagram. I was just like, Oh, what the hell is this? They were sitting in a 90 90 and they're doing an internal rotation of the back leg. I'm like, all right, whatever. I'll, I'll give this a shot. Let's see if I can do it. I caught the biggest cramp. Like my mom came <laughs> running in the room and I'm just like in this weird position, just like, oh, oh. <laughs> that's hilarious. Holy cow. Uh, it's a, dude, it's like, a when very humbling thing. FRC course, they, they'll take you through a, a, an hour to hour and a half of that and your hips will cramp. You, you'll walk out of there like, I, what kind of workout was that? Dude? But, but it's funny. I'm the same. I was the same way. Like I was telling you, like my back was killing me. I had all kinds of issues, especially sitting through school. Dude, that messed me up. Yeah. It really messed me up. And, and that, that was the light at the end of the tunnel. Like it just, like my, my mobility, everything feels so good because I set myself into the FRC system and, and mm-hmm. really did, like put myself into it. And, and it's made a huge difference. Now, transitioning to the, my last topic that I'd like to discuss with you, and I think it's very important for our student listeners to at least, you know, for, your, to shed, for you to shed some insight on it, is COVID's a big thing, you know, and we can't get through at least one episode to talk about what COVID was and how it affected everybody because it's, it, it, it's scary. It's absolutely scary yeah. when they, the government says chiropractors are not an emergency practitioner. And you cannot see people. So people were sitting at home wondering how they're going to pay their bills. So I'm just curious how you fared that weather and what, how are you doing now? Yeah, I mean, I was considered essential. I was still doing right what I was doing here, honestly. Um, just taking all those precautions, mm-hmm. doing as much as you can and, and letting people know that it's safe here when they come here. And, and I don't know, more like it was tough during those two months. I was like, I'm going to do zoom calls, like keep telehealth, go that route. But I, I can't, like, I, I don't like doing that. I like to be hands I'm very hands on and um, just, just exploring different options. It, 
I did okay during those two months. And then after that, people were just coming to me um, and need for help. So I don't know if I'd have the, the best advice other than, than switching over to telehealth and, uh-huh. and going that route. You always got to have a backup plan. Um, and, you know, I was doing more work with, with the gym here and stuff. So uh, as far as the chiropractor, we were considered essential and right on. we were doing okay. So the, the, uh, what FTCA group page was like blowing up, like, are we essential? Are we not essential? What do we do? Can I touch yeah. this person? You know, like it's scary. That's why I thought it was scary. I mean, it seems like you lucked out in the situation that you were in. Yeah. The, I love the FT, FTCA page. Sometimes they go a little over. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, for sure. It depends on the state, depends on where you are. Mm-hmm. Um, but you got to be adaptable. (laughs) Right. So you mentioned that you weren't a bit large fan of telehealth because you weren't able to like, you know, treat with your hands. Yeah. You know, there's a large, there's a large benefit to be said there where you can treat a lot of people very fast from the comfort of your home with no pants, you know? Like, (laughs) that's true. Yeah. And I'm, I love rehab, but I love, I love blending them together. mm -hmm. And when I, when I get someone who has something, like a closing angle joint pain that is not treatable through, through uh, an active rehab program, or, I mean, there's still like, you can improve upon that, but there's still that limit um, that you might need to get through, through dry needling or manual therapy. Uh, I mean, those things just, I, I just like being, I just like love being hands-on. It's right. just um, like getting close and personal and really expanding, expanding those. Well, I mean, that's that's the power of the human touch, right? Like, there's something yeah. to be said about that as well, where, you know, even if, like, you – I've seen – I you know, I've shadowed a lot of doctors. I've seen somebody kind of, like, pat the back of somebody's neck, and they feel like, I'm amazing, you know? Yeah. So there's definitely something to be said about that. Uh, I was wondering if you can just, you know, shed a little bit more light on a, a case study that you just alluded to about the closing angle pain, let's say, of the hip that you said you might have would you might do maybe some needling or some soft tissue. What exactly can you walk us through how you would treat that? Yeah. So, I mean, think of it like an impingement case. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you don't want the closing side of that joint to have a pinch or pain or blocking sensation necessarily. Um, and if that's causing them pain, if, and if they're getting some other kind of dysfunction elsewhere, that might be, um, needed to look at more in depthly and if mm-hmm. and if say they're say they have si joint pain um but their hips can't rotate mm-hmm. and they're getting a closing angle joint pain then needling or another type of modality depends on what what we would use during depending on what case obviously mm-hmm. um the treatment is always dependable um that normally if we have something like that you have an alteration in, um, in mechanoreceptor activity, uh, decreased mechanoreceptor activity, increased nociception. Um, so you have to clear it somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to get deeper down, down to the root because it's not receiving and interpreting information correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you can alter that afferent input, input to the system and give it that relief and, and it may even be like affecting it through more segmentally like gate pain control theory mm-hmm. um or locally like if you need to get down to the root of the of of the exact tissue that's causing that dysfunction 
Um, but I always look at that as, as a problem that I need to either, you know, give them more space, um, apply some sort of isometric pales rails to get through that. If it's, if it's not a structural problem, which it could be mm-hmm. coming out of the, the capsule, um, the labrum, or it could be like a, a can or pincer type deformity. Like those things um, are affecting that person's hip. Right. the fundamental motion of that hip to where it may be leading into the SI joint mm-hmm. and then they're getting pain at the SI joint. Like that's just a, that's just a random like case. But um, if, if you give that person a bunch of hip rotational things, mm-hmm. it should clear. Right. But it, but if it's not, maybe you're, you're bleeding into that, that closing angle joint pain and, it needs it needs to be worked on mm-hmm. more depthly and, and needling or, or something like that can get down deeper to that problem mm-hmm. and clear that that space or it can at least do it much quicker than mm-hmm. if I were to giving to giving someone rehab exercises now and again if you were giving someone uh, a bunch of rehab exercises and that started to become a problem you could be hindering them by putting them more and more into that space and you don't even know it's there because you never got to really assess or look at, I mean, you can, you can have them then do it for sure. And you can know it's there, but it's a little harder to treat right away from them being through a screen through a screen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for sure. Now just, uh, I've seen a lot of, uh, a lot of videos with, uh, maybe it's FRA, but they have the, it seems like they're trying to distract the joint that they're working on where they Mm -hmm. loop something around their body and then they loop it around, let's say the hip again, and they cause a distraction of the hip. Uh, Would that be a potential uh, strategy that you might use? Yeah. I use it all the time, especially if I have, if I have that at the hip, Mm -hmm. Um, it's a mulligan belt technique. So you just take that, um, that belt, get it really close and tight, give it that uh, distraction. And then you're hitting pales rails from there or just pales if you if you want to if you, if you get more more depth into it that's you you'll be surprised what those stimulate like i could have someone with with very sticky hips uh-huh. if i'm taking them through like a passive cars uh-huh. and it, that thing is stick like it is they're like getting pain it's not moving well and i'll take them into certain positions and i'll do pales rails isos positional isometrics mm-hmm. and i'll clear that that sucker and I'll get them moving passively more and then I'll get them moving actively to clicking the save button on it and just keep reinforcing that until it just expands and adapts. Like, and then, and then I need them to go do that work when they get home and I need them to continue that work throughout. And then they're, they're solid. They're gold. I I guess what my, where I'm kind of not necessarily confused, but I would like to know maybe how you would treat this or what you're expecting is, with long-lasting results, it does take time. It takes session after session, and plus they have to be doing their homework. But there's also something to talk about when it comes to intra-session uh, results. And yeah. I'm just I'm just curious, um, how much results are do you that uh, you expect inside one visit? I mean, you could you could definitely clear it to an extent mm-hmm. if you're talking about that. Um, but it's still like it depends on the person. It still may be there. Mm-hmm. So it's going to take a few more visits. Um, but you've got to, you can you repeat what, 
Yeah, yeah. So what well, I guess my, 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 my question would be is like, you know, I, I guess you already answered it would be more so like, you've had visits where like, you just taken one visit, you just cleared it. And now they have homework and they're done. And then you've had other visits where it's going to take a couple of times, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's, I mean, you'll see um, a lot of practitioners put up their before and after pictures and it's during, you know, during that session. Uh huh. It's pretty easy to expand someone's range of motion. Um, and that might just be neurological right. uh, related. It might not be the, the muscle lengthening, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you could definitely create that effect. It's all about reinforcing that, that effect and keeping them aware of it and safely moving past it. Um, and that's, what's, that's what you have to teach that individual. Mm-hmm. I think it's also important to understand that in my opinion, at least intra-session changes do not uh, predict uh, long-term outcomes. Yeah, um, Because exactly. if you think about it, if someone comes to your office for a one-hour visit once a week, it's like less than, I don't know what percent of the week. What he does outside of your office will create more long-term adaptations, better outcomes, rather than compared to what you just did in 30 minutes or an hour. Yeah, they come back and it's the same. They got to do their homework and exactly. you got to get them to... to get on that that train you know it's the hard part yeah it is i mean yeah it can be frustrating sometimes what does that conversation look like you know because like do you like point at him like i know for a fact you didn't do your exercises (laughs) (laughs) yeah the patient comes in you're like you do your exercise nah i mean you'll get that's why i love um being in the realm where i am now because at my old clinic you were seeing people that just wanted to come there they didn't have incentive just want to be put on stem and then now everyone is active and they they want it mm-hmm. so and i think that that's the difference as far as like the amount of time i'm putting putting into these patients the amount of feedback i'm getting and and it's the carryover is a lot different than what you would expect at another clinic i'm sure just because they're paying a, you know, a high price for it they're right. gonna go do it it's just that incentive i think for sure. And, I mean, yeah, and you could just be like, you do your exercises. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, just, I don't know why, but I just thought about, like, when you did that, I was thinking about, like, stepbrothers. Like, why are you so, why are you so sweaty? You know, like, that whole scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I just want to thank you for coming on, man. This has been great. Of course, man. Of course, guys. Now, you mentioned that you have an Instagram page and you also have a website. Where can everyone find you? Definitely. All right. So Instagram is Cairo Bro, C-H-I-R-O, or B-R-O, sorry. And then com is my website. Now no one's going to be able to find you because you messed up the tag, bro. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no, it's a hard one to say, man. <laughs> Even though it's so short and simple. Yeah.